0: After the Confessions of American Christians Recovering from American Christianity. This is the world we made.
1: This is Nathan, your humble and obedient host. I'm joined by our good friend, Pastor Jacob Menzel, and this is part nine of our 11-part series on fatherhood. Now today, you're going to hear us tackle a
0: very difficult topic with Pastor Tim.
1: Yeah, namely how to protect children sexually, even protecting them from yourself
0: it's a heavy episode to have to do it's an uncomfortable episode to have to have but the fact is we were responsible for protecting our children from other people from people in our own families and from ourselves no father can say he's above that temptation and no father can say that his family is perfectly safe
1: yeah you start thinking too much about this stuff you can actually really freak yourself out and that's not our point of course no this episode really just has one point
0: and that point is this father dad you are responsible
1: for your children sexually you are not allowed to not notice things you are not allowed to be dumb to be naive about sin
0: you're responsible and that means you must take responsibility and that's an active thing that you must do
1: right and that's that's pretty much everything in a nutshell so i guess you don't have to listen to the episode
0: no but listen to the episode because tim has a lot more to say and a lot of practical wisdom to offer but remember Bottom line is this. Have faith, don't freak out, or be a weirdo, but take responsibility.
2: I'll tell you, as soon as Heather was born, I knew that I was capable of killing her and of committing sexual sin against her.
1: Isn't that weird? That thought just popped into your head? It
2: just came into my head. I had no, I wasn't angry at the time. I wasn't lustful. It was just this realization that I could utterly destroy this life that God had placed under my fatherhood. I'm so glad that that realization of my own sinfulness and depravity came to me because it caused me to be steeled to a number of things that were wonderful protections to me.
1: May I ask what those protections were without, is that an okay question? Um, You know, talking
2: like this, I just am aware that people that don't know me and are listening are going to judge me, but how can I be helpful unless I make myself vulnerable to that? One of the things was, and I don't know why this is the case, but I absolutely cannot handle children who cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And typically that happens when they're sick. Mm -hmm. I never cared for our children when they wouldn't stop crying because they were sick because it just took me to a place inside myself that was not good. And I explained it to Mary Lee and it was sweet because... She doesn't have that weakness. And it was a good protection because I simply never had expectations that I would just press through it and prove my godliness. Mm -hmm. I would not take care of the children when they cried endlessly. About sexuality in the home, I think every man needs to realize that... The reason scripture has many stories of many horrible sexual sins, including incest, is not so that we can feel superior to people in biblical times, ancient biblical times, Mm. but so that we know that it is the human condition to have the most awful sins committed in the most precious places. And, you know, I don't think there's any sin that's more hideous and wicked than incest. When a father gets to the point that he either allows in his home or he himself perpetrates sexual crimes against the children and specifically against a girl, it is a horror that is unspeakable. No step, none, is too safe to avoid that crime against God and man. And so, for instance, in our home we had a number of young men and women who lived with us through the years. We just had a rule before anybody lived with us that nobody went around in their underwear. They just didn't do it. I don't ever remember in my entire life seeing any of my three daughters, uh, I don't even want to say the words, in underwear. Never, ever, ever. And it wasn't because we had closed doors. Actually, we also had a policy that doors were never shut. Isn't that funny? And the reason for that is you don't ever want your child developing a private personage that they feel they must maintain at the expense of intimacy with their family. In other words, the minute you have a child that wants to shut the door, it's a sign that you failed. They're failing. The whole family's failing. Because family is, by nature, intimacy. Now, I know many, many people will disagree with me. And if they're foolish, they'll just dismiss me as being an idiot. That's fine. I don't mind. I just think that parents need to realize that for the vast majority of human history and society, there have not been private doors for children. <laughs> and I think it's good for a father and a mother to know what's going on with their children, what music they're listening to, what they're working on. And, and mind you, my children felt perfectly private in their homes. in in their rooms without the doors shut. Because I wasn't, what would you say? I wasn't a helicopter parent. Yeah, I was not a helicopter parent. Mm -hmm. Although I wouldn't let them listen to contemporary music and I wouldn't let them do I am at all. Because why? Well, because again, I wanted their primary intimacy to be with their siblings and their parents. Isn't that weird?
1: That is interesting.
2: But I never saw them in bras and panties. Never. Not once ever did I see it. And so when we had other kids living with us, they were not allowed to be out in their bra and panties either. Never, you know? And it it sounds stupid to be talking about bras and panties, but my goodness, I'm a man. I know what eyes do, you Mm -hmm. know? My eyes are hard to rein in. And so that's what I would say about incest. You, 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 You have intimacy, but you do not have lust. And anything that moves from intimacy to lust, you hammer on that so hard that it is impossible. Impossible. It's verboten. It's it's horror. It is, that's how intensely you
1: focus on protecting your children from your own sin. Does that presuppose that that sin, you will be aware of it on some level, that that, that in fact those lusts, lusts will occur to you and you'll have to hammer them down? Or are there men that simply have their lives ordered in a godly way such that they don't deal with that? Sexual sin and lust are
2: very sneaky. They're very sneaky. And we think that the standards today are different than the standards in the past, but a father has to guard his home. He is responsible for protecting his daughters from his sons, for protecting his sons from his daughters, and for protecting his son from his wife. Every teenage boy needs a father protecting him from the smothering of his mother. (laughs) Okay, so there's a whole lot of protecting going on. (laughs) We had this uh, magazine that my dad and his children took turns writing articles for called Family Life. So I wrote an article that was on the issue of uh, emotional adultery because I was seeing a recurrent theme in the ministry of men who felt pity and wanted to be merciful to women who had a bad husband or were single or something. And they ended up falling into adultery, not because they lusted after her, but because they became emotionally intimate with her. I wrote the article. I thought it was good, sent it off. And the editor called me up. I didn't know she was a woman until she called me up. She said, I'm not running this article. And I said, why? Because it kind of had an obligation to run what we wrote, you know. And she said, because. So one of the illustrations I used in the article was a man who was in pastoral ministry and was actually a campus uh, parachurch worker. He was driving to a Bible study, and he realized on his way to the Bible study, he'd left his wife and children behind. be home. He realized on the way to the Bible study, he was anticipating being able to spend time with one of the women, the college students that was in the Bible study. And he turned his car around, and he went home. So I use that as an illustration in this article of how we need to have firm responses to our temptations. And she said, that man that you, you reference in there, she said, he's not godly, he's a coward. Well, as it happened, it was my father, which was not a good thing to say to me about my (laughs) father, because my father was many things, but he wasn't a coward. And furthermore, I can think of no time he was less a coward than that moment when he turned around. That took bravery, you know. As a matter of fact, the college was Vassar. And let me tell you how thankful I am that my father turned that car around, right? And I tried to explain to her this, that, and the other. It didn't get anywhere. So I said, look, let me... I'm going to get some counsel. I'm going to call somebody and ask him what he thinks about it. And I said, let me call you back. So we hung up the phone, and I called my father-in-law, Ken Taylor, the guy that did the Living Bible that started Tyndale House. And I said, Dad... I think my dad had just died when I wrote this article. And I said, I don't know. Am I out out to lunch? Is this stupid? And my father-in-law said to me, Tim, one night I had to work late at Moody Bible Institute. My secretary stayed to work with me. Almost right away, what happened was she came in my office and she sat down on my desk. And he said, immediately, I told her to leave the office. And the next day, I got her a different job. He, come on this man is brave this yep. man because he looks at himself in her and he realizes that he's just a sinner you know and that steeled me up and I called her back and I said I'm sorry but I just and she said don't worry about it it's going in I said really why and she said well while I was talking to you on the phone my husband came home and she said he's, he's getting his doctorate in marriage and family counseling at fuller and he listened to my end of the conversation when I hung up he said you know sweetie I think there are things about men you simply don't understand. (laughs) And I don't want to get into this too deep, but let me tell you, there's a reason that godly fathers tell their daughters, like my father-in-law told his daughter, Mary Lee, now my wife, to go back upstairs and put some clothes on. And that's another thing about raising teenagers. Do not ever let your wife be the one that determines how your daughter dresses. You are the one that knows. I can remember when one of one of our daughters was in our house with her boyfriend. I can remember her resting her forearm on his thigh up by his knee. And let me tell you, my hair was standing on end. And I made it very clear to the two of them that they were never, ever to do that. Ever. And I'm sure my wife thought that I was sort of wacko. But who cares, you know? My daughter's virginity and her purity belong to me, not to her. (laughs) And someday she will have a man that they belong to. And that may be a foreign concept to you, but that's what goes on when you transfer to the, to the, to, to the, to the husband at the marriage ceremony. You're giving your daughter away and it's your obligation to protect her purity. And it's especially your obligation to protect her purity. That's what I mean by belonging to me. It's my duty, my responsibility. It's your obligation to protect her in such a way that she doesn't lose her modesty and purity, not in such a way that she likes you, not in such a way that your wife thinks you're reasonable. And of course, I don't want to give license to men to be wacko about this. If you're wacko about it, that shows that you're an impure man that never leaves behind sexual eroticism and immorality. And that's not good. But I'm talking to the normal man. You know, let me say one other thing about this issue of sex in the home. I did talk about modesty of clothing. I do believe in having the door shut on the bathroom. I also believe in having it locked, okay, so that you don't have accidents of people walking in on other people. I also believe in you not allowing people who are in your home maybe living in your home to play with your children in such a way that is sexual. There are certain actions and parts of the body and ways of relating that are flirtatious and lustful. Okay, are you with me? And those things, it is your duty as a father to see them and to take whatever steps are necessary to bring it to an end. And I'm going to describe such a case in my home. We had a man who was getting his doctorate here in this community, but he taught somewhere else. And so one day a week, he would come and stay with us. And he used to just love to play with one of our children. And as the weeks went by, I, in retrospect, I don't think I was ever comfortable with that man on any level. Hmm. We had, I think it was my sister-in-law came to visit us, and she watched him playing with this child of ours, and she said to us, I would never let him play with that child. And her saying that all of a sudden made me aware of something that had been just slightly under the surface. What was it? Well, it was, he was just simply too familiar with this child. I don't know how to say it other than that. We'd never allow him anywhere other than in our, we had one room that extended from the kitchen the whole way to the end of the house. And that was the only room he was ever in with anybody. But just the way he played, it was just not right. Mm -hmm. And so immediately we said to him, we're sorry, but we're not going to be able to do this with you again. We never gave him the reason. It's over. There's no, there is no gentlemanly or ladylike or polite or etiquette way of shutting down the temptations to sexuality. You have to be brutal with it. One more story. Mary Lee and I were going to go somewhere together. And so we needed somebody to take care of our children. There was a man in our church who had repented of homosexuality. We loved him. Great guy. And my wife said that she had mentioned to this man that we were going to be gone for a weekend, and he had offered to come and take care of our children. Well, I think most people would feel so awkward that they'd repress their thoughts. But that's where fatherhood starts, precisely at the point where you make a decision either to repress your thoughts or to decide that you will be responsible and that you don't care how awkward it is. I said to Mary Lee, no. No. No, he is not going to take care of our children. Because we had pretty boys at that time, right? I didn't want them around him or him around them in such a way that there might be any awakening of the sin he was repenting of in the intimacy of a home. And so... Mary Lee says to me, oh, no, I already told him, OK. And I said, well, you're going to have to go back to him. And you're just going to tell him that this is an area of temptation that we are not going to submit him to or our children. And it was tough for me to say that to her. So she said, OK. So, so we talk on the phone again. And she, she says, everything's taken care of. He won't be taking care of the children. And I said, so you told him that it's because. And she said, no, I just told him that the, there was a mistake and we had somebody else. I said, lover, <laughs> I said, you lied to him. Well, it's okay. He, he's fine you, he, you know. I said, lover, you can't do that. You can't do that. You have to go back and tell him that you lied to him and that this is why. Now, why did I do that? Is it because it was a moment for me to feel superior to my wife, which, by the way, are precious few moments? <laughs> no. Why do you think I did that? The reason I did it is that I wanted it to be clear to him That's how seriously we take sexual temptation. That's how seriously he needs to take it. That none of us think he or our children or we are above being tempted. And so Mary Lee went and did, oh, he was so angry at me. How could you even think that I would ever in a million years? But of course, every case of incest and every case of rape and every case of Tamar and every single one of these cases, that's what everybody would say up until the very moment that the sin that destroys the homes happens. You know, one of the most important things about this is pornography. Listen, fathers, if you bring naked flesh into your home on your screens, and then there's incest in your home, uh, can a man scoop fire in his lap without being burnt? We have sexualized our homes by bringing naked flesh into our homes. And if you want a sure prescription for incest, and for child molestation, it is to bring naked flesh into your home. Listen, I'm going to tell you one other story. We have a what was a three-year curriculum that now is being taught by Max, but I was involved in teaching it for a number of years called David's Mighty Men. And it's to teach fatherhood to men, young men, typically high school and, and college. One Saturday morning, the subject was incest. And so I said a lot of these things that i have just gotten done saying the next morning at church, A woman and her husband, independently of each other, came bombing into church. And that man had molested his sister-in-law. She was 14 or 15 at the time. And the wife caught him. And we sent two elders with that man down to the police to tell them what he had done. And immediately he went to jail. He was in jail. I forget how long. I won't keep telling that story. But what I want to say is that man was in David's mighty men and he had not come the previous day. Immediately when I found out what had happened, I realized that he had not come. And, you know, I don't think he made a decision not to come. I think that that was God's judgment on him. I think it was part of God's sovereign decrees over that man's life that that man did not come the day he would have been warned against what he was planning to do that night. Hmm. Because it happens both ways. There are miraculous things that happen that protect people from sexual immorality, and I could talk about them too. But I want to use this negative of saying, there is no step you can take to purify your home, your children, your wife, your marriage bed that is too radical to take. That's the reason that Jesus talks about gouging out your eye and cutting off your hand. And we like to think that we're engaging in sexual immorality and really the consequences aren't as bad as I'd been afraid they were. But what we're really going on, what's really going on inside of us is that we're becoming inured to seeing and feeling the agony of sexual sin in ourselves and in our loved ones and in the people of the church.
1: The World We Made was produced by Nathan Alberson and executive produced by Nathan Alberson and Jacob Mensel. For more great content, go to warhornmedia.com or check us out on social media as at warhornmedia.
0: Next time, we're going to talk about the story of Tim's relationship with his own father. If you enjoyed today's program, be sure to go to patreon.com forward slash out of our minds where you can sign up to support Out of Our Minds, which is the home for the writing ministry of Tim Bailey and many, many other people. And it's also the home of this very podcast. So if you love the world we made, support the world we made by going to patreon.com forward slash out of our minds. Also, be sure to check out Sound of Sanity, our other podcast featuring me, Nathan Alberson, and our beloved engineer, Benjamin Sulcer. Each week we tackle a topic that makes us feel insane as we face the world around us, and shows come out every Tuesday. Come check it out, drops every Tuesday at warhornmedia.com or wherever you get your podcast from.